because what you, the unsung heroes in the wastewater industry do, matters. Every Wednesday, join me, Suzanne Chin-Taylor, the Doo Diva, a longtime veteran of the wastewater, transless, and civil infrastructure industry, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. I'll also be speaking with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and executives who are going to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Do Do Divas Smells Like Money podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of visiting with TJ Suter, president of Hydro Products, a longtime entrepreneur and the inventor of the Vanguard Pathogen Defense System. Hopefully, I got that right, TJ. So thank you, and uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Susan. It's certainly my pleasure to be here and talk with you on your podcast today. All right. Well, before we uh, before we jump in, you and I were having a, a little conversation, and you made the comment about the effluent and the makeup of what is in our sewer system, or you know, wastewater collection systems today. You kind of labeled it that this isn't your grandfather's sewage. And so, what did you actually mean by that? Well, you know, back in you know the early days. Uh, when you know we had modern plumbing uh, systems in in the United States, um, you had all kinds of different world uh, scenarios. You know, first of all, you had you know smaller cities and towns that were closer to the actual treatment plant. You had some of these old you know clay tile pipes that would you know leak tons and tons of groundwater and I and I into the uh, water stream and would dilute it. You'd also have you know very high volume flush toilets, you know, usually around eight gallons per minute, uh, et cetera, and a lot less uh, international uh, travel and tourism in, uh, to the United States. So, you know, what I meant by, you know, it's not your, your grandfather's sewage is nowadays, you know, especially with the Clean Water Act that was, you know, enacted in the late 70s, um, they took out all the phosphates, sulfates, heavy metals that used to kill a lot of the bacteria that was in wastewater, but then on top of that, you have urban sprawl. You have um, houses and apartment buildings, you know, further and further from uh, the wastewater treatment plant. So there's longer and longer times that these affluents can intermix and, and share um, resistant genes with one another. But also you have uh, lots more international travel coming in. Uh, even if we uh, killed everything in the United States and had a perfectly clean uh, wastewater system, which is highly unlikely. But if that was the case, you know, it's 24 hours, you're going to have somebody coming in from another country, using the facilities and getting it in there. Uh, in addition, you have uh, less INI inflow and infiltration, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is. And so you'll have slip lining, you'll have new PVC pipes and grouting and so forth. Uh, that put less and less groundwater into uh, the wastewater streams. So you have uh, thicker and thicker sludge, you know, than you did before. And also the toilets, we have now no flush or low flush 
and even no flush toilets, you probably haven't been into a men's restroom anytime soon, Susan, but you know, and like the airports, <laughs> if you have, I won't say anything, but no uh, reason, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like at the airports, you know, they'll have the urinals that are literally no flush. So you're really having concentrated amounts of, you know, human waste in, in areas. And, you know, and so you're having more and more concentrated um, you know, bacterias uh, into these, you know, into these strains that our wastewater workers are you know, having to deal with. So that's, that's kind of what I meant by that, you know, statement. So in comparison to what we had to deal with before for workers, you know, what are some of the new dangers that are popping up because the consistency and the makeup of what is in the sludge? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great you know, question. What, what are I mean, some of those dangers are? Well, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, dangers. I mean, when you consider, you know, that every um, hospital and hospice, you know, veterinary clinic, even morgues, you know, they dump their blood down, you know, these sewer systems, and it's not illegal, that's perfectly acceptable. Um, But when you consider all of these paths for um, bacteria and viruses and funguses, etc, to get into it, uh, you're dealing with stuff, you know, we're still, you're having an increased levels of um, community acquired MRSA, which is methyl resistant staph, Staphylococcus aureus. And, you know, you have C. diff, and then you have, um, you know, of course, you know, the big COVID situation. Now we're hearing more and more about that, but, you know, that's not the most, you know, serious, in my opinion, the most serious is what they call CRE, which stands for carpapanum. Uh, resistant Enterobacter ACA. Thank God they abbreviate it CRE, so I don't have to say that all the time. But um, these are strains of bacteria that are so strong that there's really not uh, any antibiotics left on the shelves to help combat them. Should you acquire one in in your in your body, and you know, wastewater workers right right at the uh, forefront of health and safety, in my opinion, and so they're being exposed to these things every day. Wow. Right. So, you know, with that, um, what do you, what would you recommend or what do you see as being needed to safeguard personnel, you know, on a procedural level, mm-hmm. as well as technologies that might be available uh, to help them or protect them from these heightened risks that they're now being exposed to? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Susan, because Really, if you look at the NIOSH's hierarchy of safety, you'll see you know, an upside down triangle. And on the bottom of that triangle is PPE. And, and then you go on up to you know, different ones and all the way at the top is removing the risk you know, completely. So you're not even, you know, if it was a table saw you were dealing with, well, you take the blade off. You know? <laughs> but you know, if on the bottom of the, you know, that same one, if it was a table saw, it would be, hey, you know, wear some safety glasses. So in the wastewater industry, um, you know, personal protective equipment, you know, which is, you know, your glasses and, you know, hopefully a face shield, gloves, boots, these types of things. Uh, but really that's, you know, the first line of safety um, in, in any, in any um, business for the wastewater. I've been in wastewater business for over 30 years. And so I know that, you know, from my own experience of working on these trucks and, uh, dealing with the, the human waste, you know, you're always, you know, first of all, you're tearing, you know, the gloves a lot of times, or you're taking them off improperly. Um, but also you have stuff that gets splashed on you. So 
the very minimal is making sure to have on your gloves. And I'm not talking just leather gloves because they get saturated. There's a couple of ways you have penetration and permeation. So uh, penetration, you know, is because, um, you know, it, you tear a glove or what whatnot. Uh, but permeation is where it comes in on a molecular level. So on, you know, a very porous leather glove, well, it might help keep your uh, hands from getting cut on, you know, something, you know, might be stuck on the you know, sewer jet hose, for instance, like a piece of glass. Well, it's very porous. So once those gloves get sopped up with wastewater, it's going to go right into your skin. Um, so, and then the other one is the, um, you know, just the, you know, very thin vinyl or latex or nitrile gloves that are so popular uh, to be able to keep, you know, some of the solvents. And, you know, that's a whole nother animal that I just, you know, reminded myself of. You have more and more of this nanotechnology that's coming out and that's became, becoming really a problem. And that's on the drinking side too, because the membranes can't, you know, filter out some of these tiny, tiny, tiny particles um, that people are being exposed to. But what I had, you know, come up with, you know, about 10, 10, 11 years ago, uh, due to, you know, my, um, I, I volunteered at a hospice for a three-year period and saw all of these dangerous pathogens that, you know, people had. And every once in a while, we'd have a patient in there, you know, normally it was, you know, they were dying of cancer or Lou Gehrig's or something that wasn't um, transmissible, but every once in a while we would go in and you'd find a great big sign, you know, and even red bags on uh, the door. And just to really make you aware and says, caution, use extreme caution, um, unknown virus or sickness. So, you know, we would go in and do uh, the direct patient care. The doctors and nurses would come in and, you know, administer medicines and so forth. But literally every single thing in that room was red bagged and incinerated right on site, whether it was a tissue box or bed sheets or a gown or a tooth swab, any, anything. Uh, but that same waste was just dumped right down into the sewer system where, you know, my guys were working about 150 feet out in, into the street. And I said, you know what, I want to build something. In. And that's how I had come up with the Vanguard system. So the Vanguard system is a collar system and it um, snaps onto that hose, uh, that jet hose, you know, prior to it coming out and we keep the you know, pathogens right in the, in the waste stream where they belong. So they're not you know, coming up to the workers. This Vanguard system that, that was a nice, you know, that, that one that leads me to just segue into this because I was doing a little reading on this and thought this was really interesting and wondering to myself, why doesn't, you know, not that we want this to be an advertorial podcast, but looking at it and going, why doesn't every combination truck or jetter truck, have one of these on here because it was relatively low cost, but just thinking about what we've just been discussing about the dangers and all mm -hmm. these new things, how does it actually work? You were saying that it, it keeps it in there, but it gets deployed onto the actual hose reel mm -hmm. itself. Yes. Yeah. So what it, what it is, Susan, is it's really a two-part system. So it's, it's attached to any, you know, any, combo or jet or even CCTV truck, anybody that's being exposed to wastewater. And what it does is on the jet side of things, um, you simply jet out to your, um, your destination manhole. And prior to coming back, you just simply pull the 
machine out of the collar holster that's right at the front or the rear of the vehicle, just depending on where the operator station is, snap it on in literally less than five seconds and you turn it on right at the operator station. And what happens is once you um, turn on the system, you're spraying some high pressure water and a uh, broad spectrum antimicrobial, a small amount of it onto, um, into well, our spray uh, collar. So the collar itself is an aluminum um, collar that snaps together and has 360 degree coverage on the hose that's coming you know, through the inside of it. So you're spraying it from all sides and you're keeping all of that waste, just stripping it off and keeping it into the manhole and so it can go to treatment. But it's not just for germs. We really got our start on germs because that was what it was primarily built for. But, you know, as a wastewater worker, you run into so much more stuff, you know, the grease and grit and grime and mud, crud and blood, as we call it. So you're able to strip a lot of this stuff off and uh, keep it in the manhole so it can go to the treatment where it, where it belongs rather than coming up and being on the hose or um, dripping off the hose onto the street. And the other thing is when you have an easement and that manhole's not right in the center of the street currently, what happens is the guys string out the jet hose into somebody's yard and they'll pull that hose back and it just drips, you know, on people's yards and the sidewalk and everything as it's getting too, uh, you know, paid back onto the hose reel. Well, with the system, we have uh, not only the a direct collar that's mounted right on the front or the rear of the vehicle, but we also have a, a 50 foot hose or 100 foot hose. The city of Houston has 100 footers and because uh, they have a little bit further easements. So you can literally take the collar off, snap it onto that hose, which would have the handgun to wash off your boots and shoes and SSOs. And uh, you can attach the collar to that. So next time you're in an easement, you're able to snap that on, you know, at the point of exit of that hose and spray it off and keep it in the manhole where, where it belongs. So that's kind of the way it works in a nutshell. Well, you know, you brought up a great point that even if they didn't have a system like yours, that some steps should be taken as they're bringing that hose back. They probably don't even think about that. Maybe some operators do, but some may not, especially if they have a big quota to meet that day for, for cleaning or jetting that, that hose and coming up, not only are they putting themselves at risk, but any place where that hose is touching. Yeah. Like you were saying, dragging that across someone's lawn. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. I mean, I think it's like any industry, um, you know, you get used to doing it. And, you know, mm -hmm. I also have a pipeline inspection business. And, you know, if your house, you know, uh, got a backup in your house and all of a sudden all your belongings and your furniture and your kids um, kindergarten paper, uh, you know, that is now married and have kids of their own gets soaked in sewage. It's a very sad event. Yeah. But, you know, as a, you know, as a, you know, pipe inspection company, you know, we see that, you know, fairly regularly in a lot of different scenarios. And I always tell myself, listen, TJ, pretend this is your house. How are you going to feel? So you go in and say, man, I am so sorry for this damage. We're going to do everything we can to make this as quick and painless and get you to recovery as quick as we possibly can. Cause I know it's frustrating rather than saying, Hey, all right, move. We got to do our job and get out of there and feel kind of, you know, being callous towards it, you know, just because you do it all the time. But I think that's the same with wastewater, you know, workers, maybe not washing their hands as often as they should, um, or, 
you know, touching stuff that they shouldn't have, like your cell phone, you're doing a job and your phone rings and you lift it up with that dirty glove, I'll call you right back and put it back in. Well, they're not thinking about it or, you know, smoking or drinking, you know, a, a, a big gulp on the job or wiping sweat off their face. I mean, any number of things. Um, so I think it's just a matter of being cognizant of what you're dealing with. Right. Creating, creating an awareness, um, it, you know, because you had mentioned something to me um, and I'd never heard this before, the term, the sewer flu. Okay. And yeah. I know, I don't know, maybe other people haven't heard of this as well. And you were talking about when somebody new comes on a job and mm-hmm. they don't, they don't feel well, you know, in that first month and nobody quite knows why right. uh, let's talk about that a little bit because you know really what this is coming down to is there's health risks and there's mm-hmm. implications for not changing our attitude towards mm. what we are dealing with right. what what these workers are handling right they can't help but handle it it's their job but right. by just shifting your attitude. And we were saying earlier that perception of what you're dealing with to meet the current conditions, it can be the matter between life and death. Mm-hmm. So what, so tell me, explain a little bit, what is sewer flu? <laughs> well, sewer flu is, you know, something that, you know, waste uh, operators or wastewater maintenance workers, you know, call it when you have a newbie that's coming onto the job and anybody that's been in in the industry for any length of time, municipal or in, or, you know, owning their own business, you know, knows a lot about this because you'll have some new guys come on and, you know, they're, you know, looking over the manhole when you're jetting out or touching stuff and, um, you know, just really acquiring stuff and having your body kind of get accustomed to it. So the sewer flu is really, um, you know, a common term that's used in the wastewater industry of people that, are new on the job and they contract stuff that, you know, maybe gives them diarrhea, headache, some fatigue, things like this, um, you know, for the first, you know, couple of weeks, month, or even two months into uh, their, their job. And then their body kind of begins to uh, build some resistance to some of these, you know, um, more prevalent strains of, you know, perhaps viruses or bacteria that are in wastewater. So nothing, you know, horribly life-threatening typically in, in those situations, but it does tell me one thing. It tells me they're contracting something, okay? They're contracting something. And I, I think a lot of, of it about um, kind of like, you know, the, um, you know, the um, shingles, you know, and they say, hey, if you have, you know, if you've ever had chicken pox, you have the shingles virus within you right now. And it might not come out for 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years, but it's in there and it's just waiting for that opportune time when your um, resistance in your body is really kind of at a tipping point or it's uh, compromised in some way, maybe with some type of an antibiotic or you're sick with something else. I mean, my wife, you know, is, you know, middle age and she got shingles recently. My mom, on the other hand, she's in her upper eighties and she got shingles. Um, knock on wood, I haven't had it yet, but you know, as they say, you know, it's in me and it's waiting. So I really put this back on the same stuff that's coming out of sewage now is people, I guarantee you, you mark my words. And when you're watching this video in 10 or 20 years, you're going to see, wow, 
they were contracting things that we didn't really know about at the time, but now they're rearing their ugly head a decade later, 20 years later, et cetera. And you know, so what we're trying to do is pro be proactive and keep them safer earlier. Uh, one you know, really interesting thing is if you get MRSA, it used to be you get MRSA and they say, yeah, well, you probably you know, went and saw your grandma, she was in the nursing home and you probably contracted it there. Well, I'm starting to find more and more pockets of MRSA among wastewater workers throughout the United States when I go and visit them. And one thing I want to mention before I get off that topic is if you get MRSA once, you are literally colonized and now you're six times more likely to catch it a second time. And it can be very, very, very serious um, because there's, you know, there's some treatments for MRSA, but if it gets into your internal organs, then you could have a, a very, very serious um, life risk problem. Just not aware of that. That, that brings up, you know, a lot of communities, and I keep hearing this as a common issue, that the silver tsunami of all of these workers mm. that are retiring out, they're aging out, and it's the problem of recruiting wow. and retaining and training new people to come up through the ranks, you know, for contractors as well as, you know, municipal wastewater operators. Mm. And so... You know, this comes back to what can we, as people in the industry, what can municipalities do, what can contractors do mm-hmm. to, you know, keep, you know, just being aware. Is it important that, you know, you don't want to scare a potential new employee about what they're going to be exposed to, but at the same time, you have to be transparent right. so that they can they can be aware and protect themselves as well as you protecting them. What would you be as a wrap up on this subject? Because it is very serious. Safety is very, very serious that mm-hmm. um, it goes beyond the gas monitors and the harnesses and the confined space entry. We're talking about little itty bitty things that you can't even mm-hmm. see without a microscope that can right. get in and, and kill you, um, put a world of hurt and it can even spread through your whole family. So what would you recommend that, you know, for this new wave of new employees coming in, what do we need to make them aware of to establish good best practices to keep this new workforce healthy? Right. Well, I, I think it really comes down to a lot to um, training, you know, proper training, mm-hmm. because let's face it, <laughs> wastewater is not a real pleasant thing to deal with, yet it's a very, very necessary thing to deal with, you know, they are on the front line of safety and health, in my opinion, because, you know, I mean, even OSHA knows that because if you have a SSO and overflow, then, you know, that's a big deal. And it's a very expensive deal for agencies when they do have overflows, because they can get fined because, you know, the EPA and OSHA mm-hmm. and the World Health Organization, everybody knows there's tons of viruses and pathogens and you know, bacteria in in that waste, um, you know, affluent and, you know, they want to help protect the public, but, you know, the silver tsunami, you know, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm, you know, I've got another, you know, probably 10, 15 years. I love what I do. So I'll probably work later (laughs) than that. But, um, you know, I think that really the guys that are coming in at the very beginning of this, if you give them, you know, a, a sense of, of respect. Okay. And a sense of, 
you know, a sense of safety of some point, you know, that, hey, we're doing everything we can to help keep you safe and well and clean and get you home at the end of the day, just as healthy as you came in to work that day. Because when you're dealing with, you know, these jet hoses and you can have a brand new jet truck and honestly, it doesn't matter the brand, okay? All of them have the same product on them as they're coming out of that hole, all right? Yeah, it's Don't pretty want to think nasty. About that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Some are worse than others, you know. And but you know, some of them aren't too bad. In all honesty, you might have a you know people doing their laundry in a day, and you know it gives it some you know a little bit fresher scent. But other ones can be just downright disgusting. But the bottom line is, if you can help assure these guys that you're doing everything you can uh, to protect their safety and health, then they're more likely to stay in that chain so that they can grow and get into the next level of, uh, of the you know, food group or the chain up to management. And pretty soon um, they're going to get all the way up. But now a lot of these guys are not really being you know, particularly well paid you know, for their jobs. Uh, some of them are, others are not, it's like anything. Uh, but if you are unsatisfied, underpaid in your opinion, you come home smelling like poo at the end of you know the day every single day, and your wife or husband or whoever is saying, "Yeah, you know, don't you know come near me, don't touch the kids, you know, don't put it in the laundry." Well, if they come home, you know, a little bit cleaner, a little bit happier, a little bit more dignified, then they're probably more likely to stay and then move on up to the next level. So that's one of the reasons, and also the legal aspect because. You know, I don't know if you have these legal commercials like we have in Denver, but I'll tell you, it's like every other TV commercials when an attorney wanting to sue somebody for a, a car wreck or a bad medicine or any number of things. And, you know, and really part of what the Vanguard is really being received for right now is, hey, we're providing the latest level of protection for our team members, because if somebody gets sick, God forbid that they get very sick or hospitalized and they see one of these commercials saying, hey, is your employer protected you as well as they could have? You know, if not, you're in, you know, in due for a settlement and it can be quite, you know, large settlements. And I've ran into a number of those guys, um, you know, during my uh, course of time, you know, out in the field dealing with people, they'll come up to me later and say, yeah, we had so-and-so, he's out on lifetime disability, he was 26 years old, and, you know, you're talking millions of dollars for that, you know, incident. So lots, lots going on out there in our, our, our business. Well, TJ, I want to thank you for sharing all this information with me today. It's a lot for us to think about. It's a this isn't exactly a fun subject to talk about, but it's a very necessary subject for mm -hmm. us to have at top of top of mind, you know, to protect those that are on the front line in our industry that we rely on for our own health and safety. You know, mm -hmm. everybody takes for granted that, oh, everything's fine when they flush the toilet and that, you know, it's always going to be there and I don't have to worry about anything. But right. there is someone behind the scenes that right. is taking care of that to keep you safe. And so... Yeah, we, we need to safeguard those people who are on the front lines. And so mm -hmm. thank you for bringing all this this educational information to light. And um, 
I know you and I could talk about different <laughs> subjects, you know, being old sewer dogs here all the way back from our, when did we first meet back in um, probably the early 2000s, you know, when you were my customer, when I was at Pearpoint that, right. uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show or maybe even, you know, continue this conversation and make a second episode out of it. So yeah, um, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for joining us on the show today and stay tuned for next week's episode. If you like this, um, put a comment out on Facebook, share it with your friends, subscribe. We have a newsletter and look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, keep it flowing. For those of you interested in learning more about TJ Suter's company, Hydro Products, and its line of safety products for our industry, visit them online at www.hydro-products.com. TJ is also active on LinkedIn and welcomes connections from other professionals in the industry and is available to answer questions about safety and making life better for your crews. Thanks for joining me, the Doo Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show because that would help us out a lot too. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, email guest at smellslikemoneymedia.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the topics you'd like to talk about, and we'll be in touch. For more information about our family of marketing, international business development, and workforce training companies dedicated to the empowerment and education of our industry, call us at 760-217-8010 or email me at raven at creativeraven.com. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be, you're my superheroes. <laughs>